Citizen Reporter number 387, 18th of August, 2011. Someone had to print those tags. Someone had to pin them on. Someone had to tie their wrist. Someone had to drag them in at dawn. Someone had to keep the records. Someone read the strictures. Someone had to bring the film. Someone took the pictures. Why were those innocent children hounded down? Why were they taken away and bound? Those poor innocent children forsaken, families destroyed, lives taken away for some right-winged fascist state which kept its power by preaching hate? Why were they taken there and murdered? Why were they selected? Hello, everyone. CitizenReporter.org, and we're doing part two. Yes, at this point, it's part two on the series about where our technology comes from uh, and and perhaps where it's going.、Uh, I'm sitting today with BB Blake Molin, and BB was part of is part of the Fairphone、uh, team,、uh, which you're telling me is a very、uh, can be a very big team depending on who is、uh, doing what. So, first of all, welcome to the program, BB. Thank you. Thank you very much. We're sitting in Bibi's、uh, living room,、uh, having tea and talking about、uh, minerals, technology, especially mobile phones. And some people will by now have heard the program I did with Michael,、uh, where we discussed the trip to the Congo. You were also on that trip to the Congo, which was over over a year ago now.、Huh? No, it was last February,、oh, yeah. a few months ago. Yeah. So still fresh in your mind, I suppose, and it's one of those trips that you don't forget very easily. Um, Bibi, your background for before you even went on this trip is that you've been studying、uh, conflict minerals, basically. Yes, I did a master's in international relations, and part of the master's was this、uh, research project called the National Natural Resource、uh, Curse Debate.、Mm-hmm. And within this project, I studied the conflict mineral problems in、uh, in the Eastern Congo's,、mm-hmm. and especially the role that electronic Companies and mining companies in that area have in this、uh, conflict. Now they use the term "curse" a lot.、Uh, this is what it sounds like, right? Basically, that having a lot of minerals is bad, can be bad. It's a bit of a curse, a good thing that does a lot of bad things for a country, and it's not just Congo, but in general, that this is the the framework in any place. Yeah, it can be. It can be. There are different mechanisms at stake when a country is、uh, dependent、uh, of the export of natural resources,、mm-hmm. uh, raw natural、uh, resources. That's also very、uh, important.、Um, there are. It's, it's kind of a difficult story to explain in in, in a few minutes. But、um, for example, if you、uh, look at the kind of、uh, capabilities that.、Uh, People have to develop to extract resources is actually very little.、Mm. I mean, you get some tool, you dig in the ground, and you could come up with、uh, thousands worth of of uh, uh, resources.、Mm-hmm. Um, in a, a country where which which is for the rest basically、uh, poor, it's sort of a, a gold fever kind of mechanism which is at、uh, stake and which. Often can come with、uh, conflict,、yeah. and this is what you see in the eastern 
Congo. So mm-hmm. curse, it's not per se a curse, but it can be when uh, resources fall into wrong hands and is easily uh, corrupted. Mm. And in the case of the Congo, we're talking about the last more than a decade full-on curse. Uh, you know, the numbers of deaths related to actual war um, is, is in the millions at this point. Yes, I believe uh, two years ago when I finished my thesis, the number was at around 5 million people died uh, over the past decades. Yeah. yeah. And just to make sure, like some people will say, well, that's a civil war. But this civil war is not independent of these minerals. I mean, it's connected. Yeah, it's connected. The most obvious way I think uh, you can see is that the money which is used for guns and other uh, arms is uh, uh, comes from the, se- the selling uh, of these minerals by rebel groups who are in control of mines and are able to sell these mines, which... Uh, leaves them with a whole bunch of pr- uh, profit, mm-hmm. which they can then invest again in uh, fighting and continuing of the war. But so that would mean that these rebel groups, which control these some mines in the country, uh, are selling their what they get out of these mines to someone. Mm. And a lot of these materials are, I suppose they have other uses, but they're very useful for the mobile phone world or mobile at this point, mobile technology. Um, But wouldn't that mean then that companies, perhaps that we know, perhaps stuff we have in our pockets right now, are bought from rebel groups? There's nothing stopping a company from doing that, is there? No, it's not. But within the trade chain of mobile phones, uh, there are like dozens of steps. There is no uh, electronics company buying directly from Congo. Okay. What, what you see is what happens is the rebels sell it to uh, trade persons or uh, legal or illegal um, comptoirs in the mm-hmm. Congo, mining houses. Uh, these people uh, sell it again uh, to, for example, Rwanda or Uganda. From there, it gets uh, transported to uh, Asia where these uh, factories uh, make uh, chips. Mm-hmm. out of it, and these chips are subsequently sold by uh, electronic mm. uh, producers. So there are lots of uh, steps in between the end producer and the rebel group in command of a mining site. Yeah. So when a company says, like an Apple uh, says, we don't, we don't produce things with conflict minerals, they may as far as they know, be telling the truth. They think they're telling the truth because they have no proof otherwise. Yeah, but I th- in my opinion, that's the other way around because no company can prove that it's not using conflict minerals. You see, aside from the Congo, Australia and Canada are the biggest pr- exporting countries of uh, coltan. Let's mm-hmm. talk about coltan. And in, for example, the Asian countries where these chips are made, the coltan from Australia... Canada and Congo is piled up at in, at one at one. So uh, when you make a chip, you don't know whether it's from Australian coltan, ca- Canadian coltan, or uh, Congolese uh, coltan. And that's why these companies fa- further on in the trade chain say, "Yeah, we don't know whether this chip is made of which coltan." So ju- just to go over what you just said, if it if it comes from Australia, there's no way of knowing. Because they put it all together? I, I, I don't follow. There's, there's no certification that says this is Australian coltan 
No, no, there's no, there, there's uh, currently in Germany, there's this laboratorium uh, working on a certification uh, to, mm. to research whether it's possible to see from the cobalt, whether it, uh, from the coltone to see wh where it comes from, mm -hmm. because there are some kind of geographical characteristics. I'm, I'm not a geologist, but, no, I but <laughs> from which you can see uh, where it comes from, but it's still in development and not yet uh, in use, especially not in the uh, Asian factories where they make these uh, chips. Mm -hmm. um, I wonder, let's go to the Congo trip a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, although my listeners have heard some about it, quite a lot. Um, for you, I mean, what were some of the most... I'm going to go for shocking things that surprised you, uh, even someone who's been studying conflict minerals, mm -hmm. when it comes to either the mining process or the selling process. Well, what I uh, what surprised, or not surprised, what actually shocked me most is the the embeddedness of mining in the entire society of Congo. It's not only in in the economy, but you you see the the everyone is somehow uh, working alongside the, 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 the mining industry. Mm -hmm. For example, uh, the, the two studies that are chosen most in, in universities, geology and law. Hmm. Uh, the, alongside the roads, you see families walking with these big bags of, 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 of minerals instead of, which I saw in other African countries, instead of food that they've grown yeah. on their own side, now they're walking in the Congo with these uh, minerals. And in all these different kind of layers, you see this entanglement with the, the, the mining. And also from there, you can see the dependency of the, of the, of the, of the sector and the uh, lack of uh, ability to choose for the Congolese people to engage in some so other economic uh, activity and this lack of freedom of choice is so yeah mm -hmm. it's, it's really shocking uh, to see there's no other option than to make some sort of money with the mining uh, in mm -hmm. the mining sector do people in their personal stories with talking to you did they mention that in the past their family were farmers i mean as this whole mining phenomenon is a gold rush from the last 10 to 20 years mm -hmm. uh, do you hear about what people used to do yeah, for example, there uh, agriculture. What you say, there mm -hmm. were a lot more more uh, farmers. They le left the, their lands also uh, in the conflict at the beginning of mm -hmm. two thousand. Then agricultural activity was also uh, uh, down. And uh, I spoke to this teacher, for example, in the mine side. He said he had been teaching for sixteen years, and he spoke French and English and Lingala and. Uh, all these different kind of languages and he looked like a really smart man and and he said and now uh, six years ago I uh, I had to stop because nobody came to the school anymore everybody <laughs> was going to the to the minefields and so I decided to to yeah to join them and now it, there's no mm -hmm. other economic activity for me just to to dig and to to stand here in the in the mining site mm. Well, he looked so clever and spoke all these languages and had been a teacher for 16 years. So it was kind of, uh, yeah, yeah, personal sh shocking to see. And watching the, um, the Fairphone came out with a video about that uh, whole experience and lessons learned and so on. Um, many people perhaps have seen it or can see it, of course. You hear from the miners as they tell the camera 
um, what they need or what's not working right. Was it on video? Of course, it looks very clear. Uh, but when you arrived there and you spoke with miners, did people really have already a prepared list of what we really need here, or was that more something that happened in the course of filming people? Well, of course, the ones that uh, speak out in front of the camera are all, always these kind of uh, people uh, that are able to speak out. Mm. So there is, of course, a difference from, I don't know, intelligence or bravery. Or um, what you hear on the one hand is that people, uh, a lot of people that we spoke to, spoke to didn't even know what they were digging or... Where, ah, the, right. where the resources were used for. Mm-hmm. We showed them these pieces of, of cobalt and, and my iPhone and compare and in, in one hand the cobalt and in one hand the iPhone and said, look, this is what it's, it's being made of. And they, that was the first time they ever heard of that in, in their life. So that was kind of mm-hmm. a shock, of course. And on the other hand, there were these people which you saw really thought about it, really... Uh, we're looking for other opportunities to organize the group or to um, get in contact uh, with the government or other action uh, human rights uh, groups to improve their life and to uh, yeah formulate uh, solutions. Mm-hmm. For example, there was this guy who was um, who was really sure that if he could prove. Uh, the percentage of the minerals that he dug, I'm sure Michael also... Went over this, yeah, yeah, yeah. At least the, the, the problem of not knowing what percentage they have. Yeah, and there, there were some people who really said that this could really change our position if we are able to prove to our salesperson that the, the quality that we dug yeah. is so-and-so, for mm-hmm. example. And uh, so there's, 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 there's a great difference between people who thought about it and know what they're what they can do about it and there's people yeah who didn't have an education and uh didn't even know what they were digging so there's a great uh, difference there yeah um let me move forward you you get back from congo sorry to skip the whole trip yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh maybe we'll come back to it probably in for different reasons but when you get back at some point you get invited to a meeting uh at the the european parliament and the discussion is this bill, which I think I'm going to have to, I mean, written, you know, focus on certain aspects of it. The Dodd-Franks, uh, two senators that I know of quite well, um, that in the United States, a law is passed saying basically minerals have to be conflict-free if they're, if they're being used in our products. Or- yeah, companies have to show the audience that uh, they don't use conflict minerals or the uh, methods they tried to avoid using conflict minerals. So they should open up to the audience what they do to prevent using these uh, sort of minerals mm. in their products. And that's an American law, so in... And it's, I guess it's been passed. I have to check on that. Um, but not yet implemented. Passed, not yet implemented. And I've heard mostly rumors about how it's been picked apart, but I have to check on that. But so here in Europe, we don't have anything like that. No, no. There are several initiatives from the civil society who are uh, trying to cooperate with uh, various uh, companies to... Uh, together formulate some sort of code of conduct Mm -hmm. but from the european uh, union uh, there is not yet any such uh, law Mm. and and based on the meeting do you gather that there will be 
Um, well, at this point, it's kind of difficult also to see what the consequences are from the Dodd-Frank Act. I think the reactions to to the formulation of this act uh, has varied. People have criticized it also, especially from out the Congo itself. There were a lot of people at the meeting at the European Parliament from the Congolese civil society saying that this Dodd-Frank Act could lead to uh, a ban of a conflict uh, of Congo's uh, resources and um, that would leave the economy uh, yeah mm-hmm. down of course because w- the only thing worse for the Congolese of, of mining is not mining because which I told you the mining is so uh, embedded in the whole society that when companies leave Congo's mm-hmm. resources that the economy will fall down uh, entirely. Um, so I think uh, what was uh, the most important conclusion from the European Parliament roundtable was that uh, we do not, not yet know the, the consequences of the Dodd-Frank Act. And the European Parliament said that at this point it is very difficult, therefore, to formulate uh, a law because the least thing you want is... Um, consequences, unwanted consequences, or how do you say, side... Um, mm, side effects. Yeah, mm-hmm. unwanted side effects. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind nothing... Of a long answer, I think. No, no, and no. Um, But the, what was very um, promising to see is that there were civil society organizations, uh, electronic companies, uh, mine companies... Um, Congolese uh, government people, uh, uh, from people from the Congolese opposition. So it was a, a very diverse group, all willing to change the situation uh, with the conflict minerals. And that was, I think, a good sign to the European Parliament that action will be needed. Yeah. Only it is, uh, at this point, very difficult to decide which way to go for the European uh, Parliament, for example, does legislation needs to be voluntary or mandatory? Yeah. Um, yeah, because I've heard of other like voluntary measures. Mm-hmm. I think Apple announced this year still that they, yeah, in April, that they would be conflict-free, uh, conflict mineral-free in, I think it's within three years, maybe less. And of course, this, first of all, it's voluntary, so they can unvolunteer if they have to and mm-hmm. with a very good excuse somewhere along the way. Um, but that makes me wonder, uh, do you think that they would uh, actually do this? And and then about the side effects for a place like Congo. Um, yeah. Where do you, where do you well, fall think, when you think of this? Well, and I think there is what's, what's great about Dodd-Frank is that companies have to uh, think about their uh, strategy with regard to uh, their natural resources. Yeah. And... Apple saying uh, we want to change within three years is, of course, a great sign. Mm-hmm. Whether they're able to mm. is is doubtful, but yeah. um, steps need to be taken to to ensure that in 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 long run the problem uh, is 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 resolved or or less dramatic. Yeah. I've heard numerous times that uh, the Dutch telecom uh, KPN is interested in partnering and, and helping uh, Fairphone. Um, I've also heard it said that the reason KPN is interested is because uh, they think, or perhaps they know based on research, that in this country, in the Netherlands, 
if there were an ethically uh, responsible phone, mm-hmm. that people would be interested in, in, in being a part of that, just as maybe if I can compare food. Uh, you know, there's a huge movement in this country and it's become quite standard uh, for organic uh, food. Um, do you... Do you believe that to be true? We were just talking about how people will never stop buying mobiles, you know, even if you tell them it's bad for their health, it's hurting people in the world, we're so dependent on it. But do you see that as something, when, when it comes to the Netherlands, people want conflict-free technology? I think there is a growing group of people who are interested in the problem uh, with regard to conflict minerals. And if you offer them an alternative, because at this moment... There is no alternative. That's, mm-hmm. of course, a problem. But if we offer them an alternative, if a real Fairphone could uh, could be produced, uh, then I think a growing group of people will actually buy one and, uh, and use it. And uh, what you say, especially in this society where people are getting more... Uh, um, well, conscious issues, yeah, ab- about food, yeah. food clothing, mm-hmm. uh, sustainability in construction, uh, mm-hmm. you name it. I think it w- that if you offer them an alternative, that uh, a lot of people will use them. I'm not saying that everyone will use it or uh, that uh, it will be uh, a massive success at once, but I think that in, in if you would offer an alternative in, in two to three years, that in five years' time, that, uh, that maybe even a quarter or half of people will, uh, will be interested in, in buying one. Yeah. And in the, um, in the conversations you have between, I mean, I hope at some point to have talked to everyone who was, for example, on the Congo trip, but you must have had moments where you rethought everything again and again. For example, uh, look, ch- children. Uh, we haven't said child labor free, uh, although we do say ethically responsible. So maybe that's implied. Uh, we have to check the definition on the website. But didn't these did these definitions change for you? Uh, you know, what's ethical? What it would be right for Congo? Has that? Have you changed your mind about how this should work? I think uh, not really the kind of problems, but more the priority mm. of importance in solving them. I think for the Congolese that we've spoken to, that the, the not being able to determine your own price mm-hmm. and not being able to choose another job is what was the most important thing that they wanted to change. Mm-hmm. I saw people uh, working barefoot. I saw children aged of five uh, digging. uh, And when you ask the people, that was not their problem. Mm -hmm. I mean, they took off their shoes because it was more easily to climb down the the walls of of 60 meters uh, down in the ground. Um, But afterwards, you you think, oh, oh, there are your shoes. Okay, so why don't you wear them and it was like oh it's more easy like this and because you from here you you only think oh little children oh a dangerous job but it's more um rooted how do you say um there's more well basically what i gather is you're saying there's more to it than than just saying it's dangerous it's bad yeah Um. it's more about the ability of their own to take the the life in their own hands Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. instead of the the dangerous working uh, conditions Mm -hmm. which i thought was more uh important but now from from the congolese they say that the other thing is more important Mm -hmm. 
So the, these things have changed in, in, in your head. Like, yeah, the, yeah. Prior, the priority yeah. Of, of problems, yeah. yeah. But the main priority to... I mean, there were two basic ones. Uh, one, uh, to build an actual uh, phone that is eth produced ethically in a responsible manner. And two, to raise awareness regarding where minerals uh, in our technology come from. Those two remain unchanged even after the events of the last year and what you've seen and so on. Yeah, I think the nice thing of the Fairphone project is not to make a Fairphone per se, but to change the working conditions of the miners. Mm -hmm. So if it is not by making a phone, but uh, creating a, a technology for them to, to, to uh, d determine the, the price of their uh, minerals to sell, they sell, for example, if that will improve their position, then you could still come to a Fairphone without yeah. actually making one yourself. Mm -hmm. Do you mm -hmm. understand? It's yeah. like, it's yeah. like not the, 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 I think that's the strength also of the project that it's not the, the product that it's most important, but it's the position of the people that's mo most important. And from there you can build two products that are good for the people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you've said that since returning, you, uh, you monitor as, as a very important personal issue and professional, uh, you monitor what's, what's happening in this industry, in the Congo. Um, if you could, uh, some sources for people who are listening, who might want to know for themselves, uh, you name some people or that there are sources on Twitter. Um, could you share a few just... Well, I think uh, within the Netherlands, the most important research organization is uh, SOMO. Mm -hmm. It's called Stichting Onderzoek Multinationale Onderneming. Mm -hmm. uh, they do research uh, to multinationals and mm -hmm. especially their uh, uh, working conditions and their ethical footprints in, the, in developing countries where they uh, work. And this, for example, this round table f from at the European Parliament was also organized uh, by uh, SOMO. Mm -hmm. And they have uh, nice reports that you can uh, read through um, another organization, which is a partner also of the Fairphone project, is NISA, the mm -hmm. Dutch Institute, um, Africa. Southern Africa. Yeah. Uh, they also have this um, special focus on uh, conflict uh, minerals. But what is most important is that we keep asking companies to provide us information. Mm -hmm. What do you know? What do you do? What can you tell us? And what are steps that we or you as producer can take to change something about this uh, situation? Mm. I think that's, uh, that's the most important source for our information. There should be more transparency uh, in that, uh, that regard. Okay. Okay. I think I'll keep it at that for today. But BB uh, Blake Mullen, thanks so much for taking the time. And we'll check back in with you in the coming year and see what's happening. And uh, yeah, but thanks so much for taking the time. Okay. Thank you very much. To talk all day and night about black gold politicians tell us who Yeah,
cheering off the wall. They don't care how long or far. Then I cheering off to die without a single tear in their eye. But that black gold politicians sell out the In it. 